Welcome to Hope Church Winter Garden. This week's podcast is part of our new series, New Year, New You. Corinthians 5 17 we're in a study about new talked about a new life a new name I think sometimes in the church if we're not careful like is it is it weird that there isn't a steeple on the building for some people it's weird that like there's not a we're meeting we're in a high school no, you have, to, you have to understand is that when we think of new, I'm not talking about a makeover, right? I'm talking about like a make under. It's under the skin. We too often want to just like put wings on a caterpillar and call that new. Uh, we want to call things based upon transactions, not transformation. So what we say is, oh, it's new. We're just going to go and not go through a process at all, right? We're, we're going to take that caterpillar and we're not going to worry about the process. We're just going to add wings to it and declare it new. That's transactional. That is what happens many times in church. We can focus on the transactions of church and not the transformation of the gospel. That when we all gather together in a building, we get to call that church. How many of you, when you were a, when you were a kid, you, they, they'd have this, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and look at all the people. The problem is that's just really bad theology. Because it's, it's more like, like, here's a building with a steeple, open the doors. Hey, look, there's a church inside there. That's, it doesn't rhyme as well. I know it doesn't flow. But you have to understand is that you don't go to church. You become the church. There's a big difference there in if we define new as something that is just outward, if we define new as uh, something that just looks different instead of acts different. And so in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is kind of what our series is about. And so let me, uh, let me read it. We'll put it up on the screen for you. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And I think that becomes a really critical step that we focus on sometimes in, we, we really want somebody to have that first part, that new life. Like we really, really want that and we focus on that. And then I remember a really great, a really great friend of mine, he, uh, amazing guitarist, super long 
80s rock star hair, and ended up deciding that he wanted this new life. And then, inevitably, the question happens. Okay, so now what do I do? We're not so good at that part. We can focus so much on we want you to have this new life that now what is next? So what they told him was, uh, well, you need to cut your hair. You need to throw uh, your records away. You need to start attending this service. You need to read your Bible. You need, is that just putting wings on a caterpillar? All of those things are transactions instead of focusing on transformation. You see, if you take the words that we use to describe church, you could replace, like if I took a transcript of how we talk about it, and I just did a search and replace, and said, change the word church to bank. If the conversation still makes sense, that is a problem. Because if we say, well, where is the bank? What time does the bank open? What's the service times? What is, right? They're, those are all based upon nouns instead of an action verb. Like we, we are the church. We are going to be the church. And so we have to allow for that transformation to happen. And those transactions, if we focus so much on new means transactions, do these things, behave yourself now, just does not work out well. This is a, a, another thing that sometimes um, we have these bad ideas that we tell people. Uh, because if I say, did, uh, did Jesus take your sin away? Most people would say, yeah, Jesus took my sin away. I remember that, that moment. I remember asking for, for that forgiveness. The problem is that's not true. He did not take your sin away. He took your penalty of sin away. There is a big difference in those two ideas. Because this is why most people struggle with the idea was, did it really work? Because I decided that I'm going to follow Christ, but then I still want to do the things that I know I shouldn't do. So maybe it didn't work because Jesus didn't take that sin away. Like it was a surgery, a synendectomy. I don't know even a thing, but like he's just going to, there, you don't have sin anymore. You're, great, life is going to be perfect. That's extremely disappointing if that is your expectation going into it. So he did not take your sin away. He took your penalty of sin away. You still will have the warring of the design of God in your life and sin nature, and it will battle itself out. The fancy theological Bible school word is sanctification. Like, you are going to be working this out your entire life. And the beautiful thing, almost the, the biggest breath of fresh air to me about heaven is not, 
a streets of gold. It is not that I can ask Abraham Lincoln awesome questions, assuming he's there. Um, I don't know, how would I know yet? It is gonna be the idea that that warring inside of me no longer exists. Like, that battle inside of me, the best thing about heaven is that that is gone. And I only have the design of God and I no longer have that sin nature. So we're gonna talk about a new mind. I think it's important to understand that many times I think people become a Christian and they decide they're gonna follow Jesus. And then the world has this impression that life is gonna now be boring and now I don't get to have any fun anymore. And uh, that's just not what Jesus said. I think sometimes the idea is, okay, well, you know, I just have to endure, I have to just endure earth and you're kind of phoning it in until heaven, right? Like everybody wants to go, but nobody really wants to go right now. So John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses, John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, okay? So when you don't start your day with that idea that there's a thief who his purpose is to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. So when you just like wake up and you're just like, okay, well, it's time to go out into the world. You have to understand, there's a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You better get your mind right. If you not take a few minutes to get your mind right, then you're gonna be blindsided that there's a thief that's gonna steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Wow. How many people do I know that attend a service or say they're a Christian or go to church and they are not living a rich and satisfying life? How many of your neighbors around you are not living a rich, satisfying life? How many people did you go to high school with who were not living a rich, satisfying life? How much of your family and friends are not living a rich and satisfying life? The, the issue is most everybody is not living a rich and satisfying life and don't check their Facebook to make that indication that they just have their highlight reel and their, their photoshopped pictures. The problem is you cannot Photoshop an ugly heart. And so people are not living these rich, satisfying lives. And what is amazing is Jesus says, that is my purpose. My purpose is to come and give people a rich and satisfying life, but there's a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That is amazing news. That is good news, which is translated in Greek, gospel. So we have to look at 
The last time we were here, we talked about filters and Romans 12, 2. And really quickly to review, it says that you can know what that good, perfect, and pleasing will of God is, right? That rich and satisfying life. Because everybody wants a rich and satisfying life. Everybody wants it. That's a universal idea. And in Romans 12, 2, towards the end of that says you can have that. You can know what God's will is. You can know the answers, but you have to do something first. And so if you go to the top of that verse, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing the way you think. What? Okay, that is amazing. I want to read that first part again, okay? But we can say, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You can have this rich and satisfying life, and everybody can have it. It doesn't say only people between this age and this age. It doesn't say, you know, only one gender. It doesn't, like, it is for everybody. It's universal. It's why Christ came. Not just to save you so you can go to heaven one day, but while you are here, you can have a rich and satisfying life. That is a message we're spreading throughout the entire world instead of, you need to cut your hair, you need to stop doing this. Everything about the church I know that I grew up in was all about the things that you cannot do. Instead of a focus on, these are the things that you can do, which produces a rich and satisfying life. Because when you're about others and when you help others, it's not always easy but it's always fulfilling. And all of us as parents, we want to say to our kids, we want them to be happy. I don't. I I don't want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to be fulfilled. Because the word happy has changed its definition over time. So when we say happy, what we mean is entertained. Easy. Easy not inconvenient. Some of the most satisfying things in your life, when you look back on that, were inconvenient. Those of you who are military or one of our veterans, was boot camp easy? What was that feeling like when you stood there and graduated? Right? Was, was getting that dream of yours, that dream, that dream that God planted in your heart, was starting a church, Pastor Wes, easy? Were you always happy? And if it was a focus on happiness, wouldn't it just be easy to go, I'm not happy anymore. I don't want to do this. So a focus on fulfillment is really, really important there. So... Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, right? That's what our, what our series is about is new, but how? But let God transform, not a list of things to do, you into a new person by changing the way you think about the world. So this is interesting though. When we were talking about filters, and we talked about that there's a destiny for you. That, that you have dreams, but even bigger than that is a destiny. That God is your partner, God agrees with you. 
and says, yes, that isn't just a dream that you have. I'm on your side now, so now it's your destiny. That's a huge idea. When your dream, when God gets behind your dream, that's destiny. But when we work all the way back that your destiny is is based upon your character, which is based upon your habits, which is based upon your actions, which is based upon your words, which is a reflection of your thinking. That's what it's talking about. We talked about what goes in to there. So to read the Bible at 800 words per minute takes 10.7 minutes a day. The entire year, it only take you 10 minutes to read the entire Bible. You know, in 15 minutes, in one year, you can write a 300-page novel. In 15 minutes a day, if you just read 15 minutes a day, you would read one million words. But we're all too busy, aren't we? Do you know we're not busy? We have a lack of priorities. There's a big difference. You do what you want to do. You just use an excuse of busy. One of my greatest goals for 2016 is that I do not want to be busy. I hate the idea that one of my friends would not call me because they would think, well, he's just really busy. I don't want that. Because my friends and helping my friends is so important to me that I will always make time for my friends. So when we look at priority, do you know that how much time the average American spends on social media? 111 minutes. That's average. We're taking your grandmother into that that doesn't have social media and babies, I think, because I think the number's higher. 111 minutes. 111 minutes of like memes and YouTube videos going in the pipeline, right? Mind, thoughts, actions, habits, character, destiny. 111 minutes. But we don't have 10.7 minutes. See that idea? Is that we say we follow somebody that we don't really know anything about or know what he says. But yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. Okay, so let's go to Philippians 2.5. Because this is a a, a fantastic verse that is eye-opening and extremely irritating to me. It does not make me happy when I read it. Philippians is supposed to be a book of joy. Like, hey, read Philippians. It's a book of joy. Yes. But you got to get through some things. Uh, Like the big revelation to me is when people say, You know, you have to just be like Jesus. Great concept. The problem is I'm not Jesus, though. Like, I'd like to be more like Jesus, but I just want to be honest where I am in that. I want to be authentic about where I am in that. I should have brought a picture of that shirt. It says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I should have brought it for 80% of you of my friends in here. Like, I'm not Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. But you know, I think Jesus wants, I I think Jesus 
is not so concerned about me being more like him as much as he wants me to be more like who God designed me to be. That was a huge revelation to me. Because what I felt like is, oh, I just have to not be me and I have to be this other person that's just really well behaved, which is hard for me. Or God designed me for purpose. Jesus wants me to be more and more like that every day. So here's, here's what Philippians 2, 5 says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Oh, I hate that verse, don't you? Like when somebody cuts you off, I hate that verse. Like what would Jesus do? Jesus would punch you in the face right now because you are just, oh, stop spamming me. Like, I guess he wouldn't. Maybe, I mean, he threw some tables over. He got a little, yeah, not bad angry. I guess there's a good angry. I don't have time to get into it. Have me back, I'll explain. Good, righteous anger. Mine was not righteous most of the time. Some people get road rage. I don't get road rage. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, my wife. Uh, 21 years, she loves Star Wars. Which, by the way, guys, uh, just, if you're not dating yet, just make sure you get that question answered early. You do not want to find out, like, you're in two, three years into marriage, and, like, I've never seen Star Wars, and, like, your whole world is upside down. <laughs> oh, we were talking about my wife's road rage. Um, which she'd say she wouldn't have, but I was at the a, a stoplight a couple years ago, and Emerson, uh, at the time he was like three, and he was in the back seat, and it turned green, and he just started to say, like yelling, go, come on, go. I was like, buddy, we do not do that. He's like, but mommy does that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Probably shouldn't have told that story. I'll go back and edit it out. It's fine. Um, I don't have road rage. It doesn't bother me. I do have checkout lane rage. I don't know about you, but I get so angry. Like, I don't want to go to the store, not for anything else than... It's just, I feel like my palms start to sweat and I just, like as I approach the checkout, I already, it already starts. It just starts to build. If I was Bruce Banner, I could not ever go to the grocery store because that is where I would Hulk smash everything. It would be a really big problem because I'm looking and I'm saying, there, it says 10 items. That's not 10 items. It's not 10 items. Hot dogs and hot dog buns, I know they go together, but not in this scenario. You cannot go and like group things together and say, well, that all goes together. That is, no, it's individual items. I don't care if it's BOGO. I mean, it could be debated maybe that there's a buy one, get one. But still, no. This is about express, fast, I'm picking out things, and, and I'm going, oh, I really want 14 things, but it only says 10, so I got to leave four behind. And then I got, you have 17 things. That's a problem for me. I get so angry. And then, and then what ends up happening is, why are you writing a check right now? 
I didn't even know they still did that, the old check thing. I thought we all have implanted chips uh, that do all that now, but you have checks, that's adorable. Not in this lane. In all other lanes, great, not this one. The other thing, and I feel like maybe I should uh, maybe write an article or something uh, for the good of the world, is no coupons either. Some of you are like, oh, keep it. No, that's another lane. This is express lane. Under 10 items, have it all ready to go, have your cart already out. We have things to do. I know I'm just buying Easy Cheese and I'm buying Twizzlers and I'm in such a hurry to change the world. Like, I'm getting this, like, yeah, why am I getting so angry about And then even cash. The cashier is like therapy for me. I, I have to do like periscope therapy for, um, when they take, uh, where they have to like smash the thing to get the change out. Why couldn't have you done that earlier? That's just, oh, but I'm in such a hurry buying nothing. But, okay, so I'm working on that. I do not have the mind of Christ in the checkout line. I'm not sure that's how Philippians 2.5 can be applied to. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Oh, he would probably take the stuff out to their car and I want to Hulk smash them. <laughs> so that's where we're at, right? Like that's in life, you have your thing. You have road rage, or we were at, we were at Disney yesterday and um, you know, I think we're immune to some of the things that happened, but some of our, our, our friends uh, were new to the Disney experience. They're like, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, it's Disney. <laughs> yeah. Man, they don't have enough seating for us to sit down. For the, it's Disney. It's the happiest place on earth. But, they, you know, what is the mind of, of Christ in that? So, here is uh, some things that we can look at for that. Um, when we look at the mind of Christ, I think we have to understand is that we deal with, many times, are we dealing in the past, the present, or the future. When we look at how much time our mind wanders, is your mind wandering in the past? Is your mind in the present? Or is your mind in the future? Do you understand that the mind of Christ only operates in the present? Do you know that the power of the Holy Spirit when it said that Jesus in and of himself did not have any power, said that he, he laid that aside, he laid his deity aside and became a man. But it wasn't until when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on, upon him and then it said something very interesting that we don't pick up on and then the Holy Spirit led him. The Spirit led Jesus. Do you know that the Holy Spirit only operates in the present? The Holy Spirit does not operate in the past, he does not operate in the future, only in the present. Do you know I feel like most of our thoughts are not in the present? Do you ever have a conversation with somebody and they're not there? 
Like they look like they're there. Could reach out and like, oh look, they're there, but they're not there. They're on their phone, maybe. Some of you are nudging each other. As soon as I said that, like a few people. Yeah. They're not there. You know, sometimes it's because you're thinking about your past. You know, some of it is because you're worrying about your future. Do you know the mind of Christ does not worry? Do you know that the mind of Christ does not have guilt? I don't know about you, but I cannot get excited about trying to be more like Christ means I have to just be nice all the time and I have to be perfect. That's not what the mind of Christ is. The mind of Christ is I can live a life that helps others, that is truly rich and satisfying, where I no longer have guilt and I no longer have worry. That's huge. You can, you can go in and read it yourself, but in Matthew, Matthew 6, 25, um, it talks about, Jesus says, do not worry. And, and I love because when he says, consider the lilies of the field. When you understand that where he was standing was, as you had that, that Sea of Galilee, it created this natural amphitheater. And there was lilies in the field. When he said, consider the lilies of the field, there was lilies in the field. And the way that they would heat up their meals and do all that is they would take the grass and they would have these small clay ovens and they would go and burn that and that's how they would make their food when they were out there all day. And Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful they are clothed. King Solomon in all his splendor was not clothed like this. But yet they are just taken and they are burned. That doesn't God care for you more than the lilies of the field? Consider the birds of the air as birds are flying over. They do not worry. See, worry just kind of pulls you into the future and takes you out of your present opportunity. I feel like we so often just miss the beauty of life around us because I'm worrying about tomorrow. I'm worrying about what's gonna happen in a situation. I'm spending all of this mind instead of being present on the people that I love, present on what, does, what is God trying to communicate to me? But I can't listen when I'm worrying. And then when we look at our past, it says we are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Last time we talked about how God puts our sin as far as the east is from the west. It's a beautiful idea. See, north becomes south, which becomes north, which becomes south. If Jesus said, if God said, I, I put it as far as the north is from the south, I could give you a distance. But when he says east and I go east on the globe, I never stop going east. And then when I go west on the globe, I never stop going west. God says, as I take your past 
and I put it into a mathematical impossibility. It no longer exists. I no longer can remember it. If you try to remind me of it, I would say I have no idea what you're talking about. But yet we spend the mind of Christ reminding ourselves all the time. I, I like to tell a story about how uh, I have an elephant on my dream board. Legit, I want an elephant. And it's not very thoughtful why I want an elephant. It's only because it one-ups everybody's story. I don't know if you have that friend who always has a better story. I decided if I had an elephant, it just, I wouldn't ever have to worry about that friend anymore. Because if they said, if I said, oh yeah, did you hear, you know, this happened to this person? I said, oh, you know, well, you know, my kid's going to Harvard. I have an elephant. They're not going to talk about your, your honor student after my elephant, bottom line. Your kid's going to like NASA. Did you hear John Eric has an elephant? That's, how does that even work? Which is what my wife asked me. Uh, being married uh, now over 20 years, uh, she's really smart in uh, my crazy ideas instead of immediately going, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, saying, so how would that work? I know it's a no, but now she put us on adventure and I have to Google stuff. Like how to take care of an elephant and that's a lot of food. Like we can handle that. Well, where would you put the elephant? Good question, let me work on some ideas and I'll get back to you. And I'm doing all this research and uh, you know, Turns out you have to chain this elephant. Um, and you, you know, people find a tractor or a big tree or, and, they, and they put this chain around this baby elephant, usually the, the back leg. And then I said, Kim, so we have this, we, we just get a chain and we chain the elephant. Yes, but elephants grow up kind of like puppies. She has to remind me like, hey, puppies grow up one day. Oh, I forgot that. I just thought they stay adorable. Uh, so this elephant's going to get bigger. How are we going to take care of the elephant? What size chain? Do you have to special order that chain? Turns out, all you need is a small piece of twine. Because when that baby elephant grew up and tried things, and there was a chain holding it back, that now as an adult, the minute it feels a little bit of pressure, it gives up. It had a memory of a chain. And that memory became its mindset. Everyone in here, you have some memories that were chains, but those are no longer chains. They're twine. You are so much stronger. You're so much better. You have so much more experience that you could handle that now. But it was hard to handle in third grade. It was hard to handle in middle school. It was hard to handle being abandoned and betrayed. It's hard to handle that relationship that went bad. So now, because somebody hurt you, your mindset is everybody's gonna hurt you. For me, I, I have learning disabilities and it's, it's uh, sometimes really hard for me 
and I thought I was stupid pretty much my entire life. I did not read my first book cover to cover till I was 27 years old. I just, I watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame on Notre Dame, Dame, not the football player, the whatever. And I just uh, did that book report and did it every year. I didn't ever read it. It's really hard for me to read. It's really hard for me. I get really confused about a lot of things. And it's, and it wasn't until there was a friend of mine and he looked at me and said, stop apologizing for how God made you. And it was this huge burden that lifted off of me because God made me in beautiful, amazing ways, which makes me bad at other things, but that doesn't matter. I just didn't fit in that box. But it had become a chain that held me back. You see, my memories of feeling stupid became a mindset that I'm stupid. A memory of a failure you had does not make you a failure. When we talked about a name last week. A name is an identity. You have a new identity, but your mindset is reminding you of that old name. That old name of failure, that old name of stupid, that old name of not worthy, that old name of I don't finish things, that old name. You do not have that name anymore. But you have those memories. And it's okay to still have those memories. You just can't let those memories be your new mindset. That we have a new mind in Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. Visit us at hopewintergarden.com to connect with us.